One percenters, welcome back to a special edition, September 11th edition of the One Percent Podcast. And we have one of the most amazing stories ever to come from September 11th. This guy was all over the media, the news, uh, the New York Times, everything after September 11th because he has one of the most powerful stories and a story of absolute resilience. His name, Sujo John. But before we get to that, I want to read a review on the 1% podcast. Guys, your reviews mean everything. Like a five-star review is amazing. Right in the review, it just helps us get better guests, more guests, and sponsors to come on the podcast the more that it grows. So I'm going to read this one from Polyrhythms. David brings clarity, wisdom, and a lot of empowerment through this podcast. Highly recommend it. You won't be disappointed. Thank you, Polyrhythms. If you guys can simply take the 15 seconds to leave a review, it'd be greatly appreciated. And I'll probably shout you out. All right, back to the special September 11th episode. Sue Joe John is a survivor of the September 11 attacks. He was on one of the top floors when the building was coming crashing down. Had to get all the way out. His wife worked in the other tower, thinking his wife was going to be also taken down. You'll have to see. You'll have to listen to the. You'll have to listen to the episode to find out exactly what happens in this story, and how they survive, how they come out, how they, how how he just breeds resilience in every area of his life, and now he is living for a huge purpose and a huge calling. He is stopping, helping stop human trafficking and slavery. Unbelievable what he's doing, guys! I need you guys to jump on this, support this, listen to what he's saying. It's the most important issue going on right now that a lot of people are are pushing under the rug human trafficking is a real real thing and we have the opportunity to stand up come together and stop it everybody everybody's life matters everybody everybody has a life this human trafficking needs to stop and sujo does such a great job of being a light being a just an agent of change so without further ado one percenters buckle up because here we Go. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt stuck in a situation that you just couldn't see out of? And you have these goals, you have dreams, you, you, you want to really achieve your success in life? Good news. My first book, Pivot and Go, is officially out. Sold out on Amazon day one. Don't worry, there's more in stock now. Trending towards becoming a New York Times bestseller. It's about pivoting your mindset, seeing things from a slightly different perspective that can literally open up your entire perspective on life and lead you to achieving your success. It's a 29-day blueprint, 28 to make a habit, 29 to make it a lifestyle, to have you living with a great life rhythm and just being able to pivot out of any situation and absolutely attack and achieve your dreams. Check it out. It's on Amazon. It's on my website, davidnurse.com. Anywhere books live, call your local bookstore. Check it out. Let me know. Post what you learn about the book or if you got the book, send a picture and I'll shout you out personally. Appreciate you, one percenters. Oh, yes. The feeling of a great night's sleep. Nothing is better when you wake up just fully recharged and ready to attack the day. And there's one main key that I use to optimize my sleep. Now, I work with a lot of NBA players, CEOs, high performers to optimize sleep, and this is the number one thing I always recommend to them, and that is the Chili Pad. Chili Technology Chili Pad 
or the Uller, another level up, which what this does is it, it goes underneath your blanket when you sleep, so you don't even really feel it, and it cools your body temperature to the desired temperature you choose. Now, optimal being 65 degrees, I like to actually get really, really cold at about 58 degrees, and you just it, it gives you the regenerate, regenerative, restorative sleep, higher REM, better deep sleep, better HRV. It's just literally a game changer for the cost of like two cents or one cent a night. It costs way more to pump your air conditioning than it does to have a chili pad. And for you one percenters, we have a super special pricing deal for you. Check in the show notes. It'll show you exactly how much you can save on the chili pad and the Euler. And if you're serious about literally anything in life, sleep is necessary. Not just necessary, but it is so so needed. Check it out right now. Let me know what you think. I think, actually, I know it will change the game for your sleep. Chili pad, Uller, get it. Hey, Sujo John, welcome to the 1% podcast. Thank you for coming on from Dallas, Texas. How are you doing, man? Doing well, David. It's an honor to be with you and on your program. And Sujo, as this podcast is releasing around September 11, you have one of the most powerful September 11 stories literally known to man. But before we get into that, start us off with a bang. We always like to start the, the audience off with something maybe no one really knows about you. It could be anything, something, something in-depth and, and different. Well, I love, I love clothes and I love shoes. So I have this <laughs> thing of collecting shoes. So <laughs> nice. at one point in time, it was socks, but now it's back to shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Is it basketball shoes? Are you collecting Jordan shoes? No, I, no, I don't. My son does basketball shoes. So okay. I've got an 80-year-old who is all in basketball shoes. For me, it, it's just, I have this thing for loafers, you know, oh. or drivers and loafers. So that's my deal. Uh, and being in Texas or, you know, I travel a lot to India. So it's it's not basketball shoes and it's 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 just the regular Comfort shoes or casual shoes, yeah. Being in Texas, I'm surprised you don't have a big uh, Western boot collection. Maybe that's next. That's coming <laughs> next. So, Sujo, let's let's talk about your biggest pivot in your life. When you came, we can just set the stage here. This September 11 episode, setting the stage of you, you grew up in India, came over in India. You're working in the World Trade Centers. Just just take us through that 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 moment and, and the story of surviving one of the most catastrophic events in history. David, when you talked about a pivotal moment in my life, uh, and you know this, and everyone listening knows this, it was not just a pivotal moment for my life, but it was for America. It was for the world. The world changed that day. Uh, And looking back, it's hard to tell that. uh, It's hard to even realize the fact that so many years have passed. This is 2020, and this happened early 2001. Uh, so for me, it was, I had come to America just almost six months prior to the attacks on the World Trade Center. And often people ask me, why did you come here? And I often tell people I came here to chase adventure and dreams. I always knew that America was a place where dreams and dreamers collide. So I, I came with, with, with a fire within me to make something out of my life. And of all the places, I started working at the World Trade Center. I uh, started working on the 81st floor of the North Tower. My wife started working on the 71st floor of the South Tower. She's four months pregnant, and what started off as a clear cloud this day changed at about 8.46 in the morning when this incredible explosion happens. And uh, I thought, uh, and, and the building shakes violently, and, and we thought something had hit the building, 
uh, we thought it was a small commuter plane, but it was uh, it was crazy. There was actually a, a huge jetliner flying at 440 miles an hour, carrying 10,000 gallons of jet fuel, had just crashed, come crashing into the towers. I I can't even fathom that. Like just looking out the window and seeing that happen. Like what? So so talk us through that. It hits. Then what happens? As soon as it hits, the building shakes violently. Um, and then everyone hits the ground and our faces on that carpet uh, and fire breaks out. And what followed was jet fuel spreads around us. And I look around and I can see a, a huge crater right above us, a picture of twisted steel and cable, uh, things burning, and uh, my friends and coworkers screaming. No one knew what was going on. We thought we would, have, uh, we would not have a shot at getting out. And I remember at that time, someone on my floor rallies us. And he says, we have to get out of this place. So we start crawling away, uh, literally looking for the nearest stairwell. There were four sets of stairwells in that building. Uh, and the closest stairwell was about probably four, 500 feet away. And we get there. And before we get there, we had to cross the place where the elevators were. Now the jet fuel had come down the elevator shaft and balls of fire were shooting at that place. So we fought our way to the fire, make our way to the stairwell, hundreds, thousands of people running down that stairwell. And all along as we are running down, it was kind of interesting. Initially, the first few steps we took down, I remember hearing a conversation that two guys were having. A guy says, it's going to be a while uh, for us to now get back to this office, right? Nobody thought at that moment that this building was going to go down, that this was going to be one of the greatest tragedies hit America, or let alone to realize that this was actually a terrorist attack, that America was an attack. Everyone thought it was a small commuter plane that had crashed into the towers. So it was this incredible fear. But as, you con- as we continued our way down, we started seeing people that were burned. We started seeing people that were hurt. And then I hear another explosion. And this is a second plane crashing into the second tower. Uh, so that's when things got really crazy, where people are like, there's stuff going on in the building. Um, and what was so interesting is this is 2001, where we had this stuff called pagers. Yeah, cell phones weren't working, but a few people on running down the stairwell had pagers on, and one guy actually got a, a message on his pager. Now, David, you probably have to step in and explain to a younger audience what a pager is all about. <laughs> so there was a, a a text message that scrolled down and said the plane crashed in the World Trade Center, other planes missing, something like that. But I was in some kind of a very fuzzy place in my mind because I'm thinking about my wife, who's four months pregnant on the other tower. I'm trying to reach her, can't get a hold of her. Um, but I'm, but I'm just desperate. And my friends were trying to calm me. They all knew that she worked in the building, in the other building. And my friends were trying to calm me down saying it's going to be okay. But no one knew what was going on in the building. And that's part of the whole thing that all of us were dealing with. It felt like we were going through a movie, uh, you know, with with sprinklers on and water and smoke and people hurt. Um, and then knowing that we have a long way down, we're on the 81st, we're on the 81st floor. And so it, it took a long way. It took almost an hour and 20 minutes come down 81 floors of the north tower oh my goodness that's so you're out so you make it out and then you're thinking well my wife is in the other tower and now this tower has just been attacked like, how, how is it possible that you guys both got out of there yeah it's just a crazy story where it's just a miraculous i believe in the yeah. in the power of faith and i think that's what got us through that day and uh, so what happens is i come to the level which is called the plaza i'm still in the building but i'm facing the plaza and the plaza used to be this open space right in between these towers where people would hang out during lunch and after work. Now that place had been turned into a place of death. There were bodies and body parts and the few slides of the plane burning. 
we were told um, avoid the scene, go down one more level, make your way to the lowest level. I get to the lowest level, start walking towards the second tower to be looking for my wife on the concourse level. And that's when the unthinkable happens. The ground shakes. I hear this incredible roar. This is a south tower imploding and going down. Um, and I'm literally like 20, 25 feet away from this building. And the glass is shattering around me. And I'm saying, this is it. Uh, for the first time in my life, I'm confronted with the reality of my mortality. But as I'm crying out, I have this peace that if I were to die, I would make it to this place called heaven. And there's 15, 20 people with me. We huddle together and we kind of said our last prayers thinking we would die. And after about 20 minutes, I realize I'm alive. I'm buried in about three feet of soot and ash, surrounded by steel and, and debris. But everything other than steel was pulverized with dust and ash. So I'm buried there and, uh, and I'm surprised that I'm alive, but I'm choking. I can't breathe. I'm covered with soot and ash. And after about 20, 25 minutes, I feel someone pull me and I began to pull him. And as we got close to each other, we could barely see each other. He says he's with the FBI. And uh, we both told each other we're going to die. And as we said our last prayer, something miraculous happens. A red light flashing through the soot and the smoke. So we start crawling our way towards the light. It's a flashing light coming from an ambulance. And that leads us out of the pit. So we get out, still can't breathe, still difficult to see uh, our way around. But the man says, I got to go back and get more people. He runs into the North Tower, which was still standing. The ground shakes, the North Tower goes down. David, this is a story of an incredible American hero. He runs into the North Tower to be looking for more people, uh, but he did not make it out alive. Oh. He's actually the only FBI agent to have died that day, left behind four children and a grieving wife. Man, what a, wow. Yeah, that is an American hero for sure. And just, man, the in intensity of hearing that story, it's like one of the most powerful stories that we've ever had on here for sure. And, and tell, me, tell me about your wife. So your wife, the, the interesting thing is another just amazing, amazing gift happened to you the day we were your wife, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but her train, she missed her train that day to get to the building. She was late to work by two minutes. And what's crazy about it is my last working day, I signed up a life insurance policy. <laughs> so, the, so September 10th night, uh, before we got to sleep, I, I kind of woke her up and said, I got to talk to you about something we've never talked about. And she's like, what is it? I said, it's called death. And I explained to her, I said, there's a baby on the way. If something were to happen to me, this is the money. This is who you need to call. And she turned to me and said, we're young. Why are you talking about death? Um, and so next day, it's 9-11. Um, and so she gets into the building like two minutes late to work. And by then the North Tower is hit. So she's pushed out of the building. Uh, she gets out, sees people jumping out of the building, bodies landing around where she, where, where she was. And she thought I was one of them. Uh -huh. um, and, and so uh, for her, it was, she thought I was gone. I thought she was gone, but she was late to work. And, and that's what spared her life. Sujo, you are here right now for a huge reason and a huge purpose. I mean, just hearing that and, and like we were talking about earlier is resilience. Like that defines you. That word defines you. And knowing that you've gone through this, there is nothing that life can throw at you that you won't be able to overcome. And it's such an inspirational story for people to hear as we've all dealing with the, the COVID crisis and, and whatever worries and problems that we might think that we have. But hey, you were dealing with life or death in the most traumatic of ways possible. And you overcame that and you overcame that with, with the joy that you live for, the purpose that you live for, and talking about pivoting your life. Like even, 
even making that leap from India to come to the States, that's a miraculous pivot and a risk that you took. I'm sure people around you were telling you, what the heck are you doing? Like, this is never going to work. You're going to fail. But you took that risk. And just like you have, you have done continuously, instead of after that time happened, just, just shutting off and, and trying to stay away, you've been making an unbelievable impact on this world. And that's, I mean, that's what you're doing through You Can Free Us, through the human trafficking and just saving so many lives, man. You saw lives being saved that day. Now you have turned that and pivoted that and saving so many other people's lives. So can you talk to us about how this came to be, how you, how you transitioned here from that September 11 day and what drove you to be doing what you're doing and saving literally the most important thing you could do, saving human beings? So David, um, you know, I, I believe that we all go through stuff. We all have stories. Life is a submission of stories and experiences. Yeah. When we go through the storms and stories of life, it's what do you do with your story that really matters. You can get bitter or you can just camp in that story. But I truly believe that we all of us have such incredible human potential that we can always, uh, with God's help, rewrite our life story. And, it, and what really matters is where do we finish? What do we do with our life story? It doesn't matter what we've been through, where we've, we've been. And so with that thought in mind, I was open to whatever life had in store for me. And in, in the most interesting way, a lot of media around the world took an interest in my story. Uh, people started calling me to come and speak about my story. Uh, that opened up two things for me. First of all, I started meeting people. And I realized that here I am with a story, but every human being has a story. So when we go through the stories of life, everybody wants to know how can we apply some of this stuff that helps us through it. So I started sharing about what helped me through that connected with people. But beyond that, as I got traveling, I fell in love with America. I absolutely fell in love with this beautiful country. Uh, and I'm just so blessed looking back. I've traveled to every state from Alaska to Hawaii, wow. almost every city you can think of. And to be there meeting people and realizing that this is a country that has been founded and it stands for freedom, trans for justice. And so that kind of became something that I became very passionate about to be, to be taking, doing my own thing, to, to stand up for people's freedom and to give everybody a shot. And uh, so I also started traveling around the world and I started seeing the needs around the world, realizing the world is so broken. And so I had a platform to speak. I got exposed to the stuff around me. And usually when you have that, you get that as a gift because you're supposed to do something about what you see. Uh, and I, I took that very seriously. And so an experience that totally changed my world was, uh, you know, a friend of mine, she reached out to me. She would see stuff on my social media with stuff that I would do, building schools, water projects in different parts of the world. And she said, you need to come to India and see what the red light district looks like. Yeah. So I said yes to her. And I was thinking, I was thinking a, a bunch of these guys, they called, they used to be called uh, Team Impact. These guys are like WWF champions, uh, you know, world powerlifting champion. I was going to take them to India and do a series in schools. Um, and so I had these big guys with me. And I said, this is a good time to go in the red light district. Um, and I went in the red light district. Interestingly, those guys didn't make in their flight. They, their flight gets canceled. But I had a group of women from my home church then in Dallas go with me. And these women were like, let's go in. So we went in with literally thousands of roses. I wanted to give hand roses to these women. These women in the red light district, firstly, they had never received a rose in their life. Oh, wow. So they really opened up. So as I'm handing out these roses, it hits me, David, where I am. It's a place that I'm most uncomfortable with. It's lanes and by lanes. It's a street a mile and a half in length, but 37,000 sex workers. Oh. Yes, I said it right. 
37,000 sex workers in a street just a mile and a half in length. And I saw where these women were kept. They were kept in these cells and cages, little cells and cages, three feet by six feet. That's what they, they sleep. They see their customers. That's their world. And I stood there saying, is there a place worse than this on planet Earth? And then you feel this darkness. You get, as a man, you get upset at men that put women through this. And I'm standing there saying, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? And a woman pulls me and says, if you really care for us, get us out of here. And I'm thinking, this is run by the mafia. Yeah. I have no idea how to pull these women out. But like I said earlier, when, when our eyes are open to the problems in the world, you and I are called to do something. You may not be able to change the world, but you can do something. And I said, well, let me do something. That's something left to now. You can free us. And we've had the privilege to fight for women and children's freedom around the world. And, and so in that moment also, David, I found something very common with these girls. So I went back to my experience of 9-11 in that moment, almost relived there because post 9-11, I'm very claustrophobic. Hmm. And it was very difficult for me to be in the red light district in that tight space. And I remember, I remember that moment, my own story about lying in the rubble of the World Trade Center, thinking no one's going to ever find me. No one's going to ever see me. No one will ever know what happened to me. These women in the red light districts of the world that's their cry for years. They've given up hope that they, 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 they tell themselves, no one's ever going to know. They've been separated their families. They've given up hope. So I, as a man, found something incredibly common with these girls. The fact that I was trapped. Uh, I was physically trapped. These girls are physically, emotionally trapped. And it was somebody like that FBI agent that I talked about before. He was a guy that came to my rescue. So I felt like, you know, what you've heard said before, we all have to pay it forward. I felt like this is, this is my way of paying it forward. You know, I have been so blessed with this new lease of life and perhaps I can do something to change this problem. And the more I got into this problem, I realized this truly is one of the darkest evils of our times. You know, you hear about so many people talking about slavery right now and we all agree slavery is a horrible thing. It was horrible in the past. It's horrible in the present and it's horrible in the future. Slavery has no place, should have no place ever. But then this problem of human trafficking or modern-day slavery, like I like to call it, it's almost a slap on our modernity. We, we talk about how advanced the world is, how progressive we are in our thinking, and yet there are people, women and children, in cells and cages locked up. Um, and I felt like this is the, should be the cry of every human being, that if you appreciate your own personal freedom, then you should be, you should be taking this seriously about being part of, in some way, bringing freedom for those in captivity. And I began to understand, we're talking about 41 million people in slavery. Oh That's God. like six, six times the size of New York City, right? It's more than the population of the entire country of Canada. And when I started looking at how big this problem is and how pervasive it is, that how it's spread across the world, uh, I felt like perhaps it's something we could do if I were to raise voice against it. So this has been almost 10 years, David, for me in this fight. So we rescue not only women and children, from sex trafficking, but we also ch rescue children who are forced into child labor. Oh. Now, I want to just quickly uh, share a couple of things with you. Yeah. Um, firstly, I always talk about when people want to understand how bad trafficking is, I, I, I tell them, just pull out your calculator, pull, pull out your phone. Every phone has a calculator, right? And if, if you're listening to me, do this. Yeah, do uh, on an average, yeah, do it right now, David. On an average, whether it's America or Europe or Asia, a trafficked girl 
has to see some 30 men every single night. Oh my so if there's 30 days, if there's 30 days in a month, what is it? 900 men. Oh. All right. So that's in a month times 12. Oh How my. many men? 10,800. Yes. And on oh. an average, each of these girls are in the red light district for almost 20 years <laughs> times 20. So that's the number of men that have come and violated her. It's unthinkable. It's, it's, it's nuts. When you think of this, when you think of it, you realize this is such a travesty. And how could a free world, all of us that stand for freedom, how could we even allow this to happen? So it's been a complete shift in how I, I look at this problem. And I feel that we're all responsible to, to do our little bit. And if every generation is faced with a challenge, and I truly believe this is one of the greatest challenges of our times, that's one. Secondly, uh, it's very easy for us to say, well, this might be a problem in Africa. It might be a problem in, in Asia. It might be a problem in Europe. Well, just last week, the FBI rescued close to 50 children in Georgia. Yeah. America, you know, human trafficking it is, is at its all-time high in the United States of America. Every zip code in America has been hit by this problem. So the question is, the, the, the sad reality is our children are at risk. You know, if, if you're a parent, your child is at risk. So what are you going to do about a problem where the children in your community, your neighborhood, your city, and your family perhaps could be at risk? I'm grateful in the last year, few years that we've had some great laws that's been passed against human trafficking in America, but we can do better. And here's one area where we can do better. Beyond just the sex trafficking part of it, like how you have a carbon footprint, there's something called a slavery footprint right now. If you are middle class and above, based on what you and I buy and consume, there are some 50 slaves that work for you and me Jeez. in making goods and services we buy, whether it's clothes, whether it's electronic gadgets like cell phones or iPads, uh, you know, car washers in the UK, in America, nail salons, massage parlors, you name it, or even goods and services that we buy. We all want a cheap product, but we, people don't ask, is this, is this made by a company that is sustainable? Uh, that are actually taking care of its people or are they using cheap labor? And if they're using really cheap labor, it's possible that some of that is forced labor. So we have to have a shift in our thinking, even in the goods and services we buy and consume uh, and be mindful of the fact that there are people actually, you know, forced to work making stuff for us. You know, we all hear about what's going on in, 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 uh, in, a, in a province uh, in China. I forget the name of the province, but uh, the, 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 the people group, are called the uh, Ubers, uh, the, the, this Chinese, almost a million of them in, in, this, in concentration camps in China. And, and some of those concentration camps are forced labor camps, like North Korea, the entire country almost is in slavery, right? So this is a problem where uh, the world has to look into, and we have to take a look into this. One more statistics I want to leave it to you, just to get people thinking of where this is going. Uh, and these are numbers for Dallas-Fort Worth. And this being a large metropolitan city in America, it could be, uh, it could it could apply to even LA or any other city in America. So the FBI tells me that 99% of all Asian massage parlors in the DFW area are fronts for prostitution. Oh my gosh! So if That's if it is not a, a licensed chain massage, uh, you know, yeah. parlor like a massage center. It, there's a 90 or above percent chance that's a front for prostitution. So there's stuff going on in America, and we've actually uh, put
pushed it under the carpet for far too long. And it's time to speak up for justice. It's time to take a stand against this evil of trafficking. Man, Sujo, we need more people in this world like you. You like it's it's this is such a huge issue, and people are like they they are not aware. They're turning the blind eye for the reasons that you gave. Like I'm just becoming more of aware of it by just listening to you talk, and I know how how real it is, and how easy it is for people to feel uncomfortable about it and try to put it away because there's there's more trendy things to stand up for, like is like that's going on through the world right now. But this is the the issue, the heart issue of everything is, I mean, human, like this is, think about your life. Our lives are being just given away, just thrown into prostitution, just sold. And, and nobody is really uh, that aware of it. I, I think you're exactly right, man. We need more people like you for sure. And just continuing to get your word out there and everybody that is on this mission with you, the word out there. And then just Looking at yourself and, and saying, hey, where does this come from? Asking yourself that question every time is, is, is really powerful in taking these types of steps. But, but just talking about it, man, I think there needs to be more people just out there just, just talking about it. So it becomes something that people understand is actually happening. Is there's as many as those people that they find, you got to figure, I'm sure you know, there's probably 10x actually still in slavery or locked up or hidden somewhere being ready to be traded. All right. Got to tell you about this game changer. I use it all the time for Sigmatic. Now for Sigmatic is a hundred of the most nutrient dense packed superfoods all combined together and in mushrooms, nutritional mushrooms packed, just packed with abilities to boost immune system, boosting longevity, improving digestion, achieving weight loss, even cancer-fighting properties. They are one of the healthiest things that you can put into your body to optimize your body, whether it's lion's mane, whether it's chaga, whether it's their cacao hot chocolate, and their coffee, their organic coffee. It's just all so good. And for you listeners, 1% or listeners, special discount deal for you guys. Check in the show notes. It'll be right there. See how much you can save on Four Sigmatic and optimize your mind, your body, your sleep, and just make it taste really, really good. You know, you're just so right. And I think there's been a lot of more, a lot more awareness than ever before that's happened in the last four years. And even right now, there are these uh, marches against uh, uh, sex trafficking and child slavery happening across the country. I'm actually speaking at one this weekend in Dallas. But unfortunately, some of that has also been hijacked by, you know, people that are mixing it with politics. If people just focus on the issue uh, and, and take a stand, and this should be an issue it doesn't matter what kind of uh, political stream you come from. Every Republican, every Democrat, every conservative and liberal, straight, cure, transvestite, whatever be your sexual orientation, everybody believes that slavery is wrong. And this can be a huge unifying cause that can bring us together, that we can lock our arms together so and good. say, let's go to battle for, for the children of the world. So good. That unifying. And that's, I mean, that's what... This country needs this. That's what this world needs. And this can be something that everybody gets behind. It just, I mean, it, it just takes these steps to cutting it out, and living a life where we don't have slavery at all, and just opening your eyes to it, but unifying the power of unification. That's so well said, man. That's, that's amazing. How can we, I mean, how can we continue to take steps forward? Are there other ways that listeners here that we can, I mean, obviously spreading the word that you're, you're saying, but is there, there are other things that you're doing, like you're going into countries, you're saving people into countries. What, what can we all be doing on the outside? 
first of all, something that you uh, you mentioned earlier, like this conversation is getting you to a place to be more mindful about things you buy and consume. So everybody watching this, you should pay attention to the goods and services you buy. And if there are some products and you love those brands, great, good. But why don't you ask those companies a question and ask them if they have a, a anti-slavery statement? And in America, we're way behind this. In Europe, in many European countries, and even now in Australia, uh, there new laws have been passed where corporations have to publish their anti-slavery statement. So, I so it, an easiest thing could be on social media. For example, if Gucci is your brand, just tag Gucci on a social media post and say, "Do you have a social? Uh, do you have a, a anti-modern slavery statement?" So you should you can ask uh, these your companies and brands about what they do about their supply chain if the supply chains are clean. And that's something you can do that could force them to think. I will not mention the name of a company because, uh, because if I mention the name of the company, everybody will know these products are this, uh, that they make. And trust me, almost everybody uh, that's about to hear the story, you bought their product. It's oh. a large luxury goods uh, manufacturing conglomerate. And based in New York City, I started conversations with them. And they wanted to work with that charity because they felt like we're, we're not a big charity. We're kind of a medium-sized charity. And as we start conversations with them, I asked them this stuff. I said, if you're going to tie with us, people are going to look into your supply chain. Is your supply chain slavery-free? They didn't have an answer uh, because they buy their stuff from all over the world, not knowing. And so if you are a manufacturer, there is a generation coming that will be very curious to know if you're treating your environment well, if you are treating people well. And it just helps you with your branding itself to actually create products that are sustainable. So that's one thing you do. To build awareness, to educate and protect our children, we've come up with a curriculum called Liberta. So if you go on our website, youcanfreeus.org, uh, that product is also available on, on Kindle. Uh, it took us four years to develop this product, talking to children all the world. We have modules there that talks about how to play it safe with technology. Uh, and, and, and this is written in with, a, with a way, sixth grade on to 12th grade, uh, these kids can go through this curriculum. So it's something that youth groups can do. Uh, it's one of its kind. Rotary Club globally is looking at this product to take it to, to the entire world. We were talking to school districts and here COVID came. So it's a product that we just came out with uh, last October. So I'm very excited about Libertas uh, because of, we did focus studies with kids and asked them this question. Have you ever been in a place of vulnerability? And there's some incredible insight we got about how traffickers go lure children of the world. Um, so that's a, that's a resource. But in any way, if you want to, if, if your audience wants to connect with us, if they can get on our website, it's listed there how they can help us and join the fight against slavery. Sujo, I love that. We're going to link to Alberto's the website, everything for sure in the show notes. And I think you hit on an important point before we jump into the wrap up and the rapid fire here is, is social media and the generation to come. Like it's the trendy thing now to, only eat food from sustainable farms or whether the, the cows are treated really well or not. But we need to take that sustainability in the food that we eat. We need to pivot to the, the clothes, the products, like who is Absolutely. making So I, I love that, man. I, that, that tagging your company that you love and just asking them that question. Like there's so much power in asking the question, just like you guys did to a, a donor who was probably going to give you guys a lot of money, but you ask them that question and it makes them, I mean, it makes them think. And that's what we have to do. We have to ask more questions. So, have to be so that's one of the things I want to do someday, you know, some brands. Like I want to, 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking how to do this, but if I have time and bandwidth to do it, I want to, I want to activate like some 5,000 people, right? On a given date, these 5,000 people get on social media and ask brands this question. How can these brands not answer you back? If 5,000 people tweeted or, or on Instagram asked a question tagging them, they would have to come up with that. So, the, so we, we need a concerted effort where people come together and hold corporations accountable. Uh, and they're all guilty, whether it's Nike, I mean, Hugo Boss, you name it, from the biggest brands out there, they're all guilty of this. And not to shame them, it, it, this, this, this is just to make to help them and understand that, that, that customers and, and, and their consumers, for them, these things matter. Uh, and if brands are listening, uh, they better listen. Like the next generation, especially millennials, they really care for, uh, for causes like this. And it matters to them where their goods and services have been produced. Yes, and, and I, I totally agree with that. And whenever you're going to do that, I'm fully on board, and I'll help you get a lot of people to do that as well because that is that's an agent of change. And I love that, man. And just the inspiration that you are. I mean, we, we talked at the start about your resilience and just the, the the pivots you made, the risks, the changes, the chances that you've taken, and your passion for what you stand for, giving people hope. I mean, following your calling. Like these are just all amazing characteristics that I wish we could just give to everybody throughout this world that, that you have. So we're going to jump into a quick rapid fire as we wrap up here. And this can be just quick answers, whatever comes to your mind. But we just want to get in, get inside your head and see what makes you such a high performer and such an impactful influence positively through the world. So Sujo, you are on the rapid fire hot seat. Do you have a favorite mindset quote? or a mantra that, that you look at every day or that's on the, your fridge or that you live by? Yeah, I always tell people this. Are you willing to leave the safe harbor and, and go after the wind? Oh, that's good. That is, that is the epitome of your life. I love that. Yes, you know, I think I might know the answer to this one already, but we always ask, what is the definition of leaving a legacy to you? Not necessarily the world's, billboard legacy type thing but what does legacy mean to you legacy is lives you've touched everything you leave behind uh people are not going to remember you for that but if you've changed someone's destiny if you've impacted him or her uh that's legacy lives touch is legacy for me not stuff so good and how can how can we all follow you i know you said the website is there other ways on social media how can we all follow you and how can we all support you can free us in the mission that you're on they can follow me on social media, Sujo John. They can find me, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or any of that. But our website for what our work is, it's youcanfreeus.org. Uh, and that talks about our work in different countries. Love it. And the final question we have for you that we ask everybody on the 1% podcast, what does being a one percenter mean to you? It means you are a risk taker and I'm a risk taker. If you don't take risk, there is no gain. Every person who's done something, made a dent in their generation, has been willing to take risks. But take intelligent, measured risk. Take small risks and see and weigh in, weigh where your success or your losses are, and that will help you take far greater risks to come. If you want to be a change maker, if you want to grow in where you are, you can't get to that place unless you're willing to take some risks. Sujo, you are a legend. That was that is awesome, and I'm just blown away. But and just beyond blessed to be able to have you on this podcast and developing a relationship with you and just so excited 
for what you stand for. Like it juices me up talking to you because you have so much passion and you're making literally the biggest change anybody can make for any other human being. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and just, just blessing us with your time. David, I can see why you're so successful in what you do. You're such an encourager. So thank you for all the kind words that you've shared with me and all the best for you, for what you do, your book, and through this podcast, how you're changing lives. I think that's what the world also needs. People are so positive like you. So keep doing the great work that you're doing. Thank you, Sujo. You're the man. Appreciate it. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the 1% Podcast. Thank you so much for giving your time to me and listening to the 1% Podcast. Without you, none of this would be possible. The feedback, the reviews, the ratings you give this podcast help to grow the audience and the reach for us to be able to bring on new guests each week and provide that 1% daily steps we can all implement from top NBA players, from high performers, and just from amazing people doing amazing things to better this world. And it's all because of you. And if you could, I will shout you out, personally thank you, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Five stars if you love it. One star, of course, if you hate it, and leave a comment of what you liked about it or questions, suggestions that you might have. Post on social media and tag me at David Nurse NBA, and I will repost the reviews the podcast gets. I'll shout you out personally for sure. Thank you so much for being the best community, the best family, the best 1% squad. So blessed for all of you out there. Now go out there today and speak a word of encouragement into someone. You can and you will make a difference.